So today is, we call it a holy day of obligation. And I was thinking, for what it's worth, why do we think the church can oblige me to go to church on a holy day of obligation? And I'd like to encourage us to rethink that a little bit. God asks us to do two things to fulfill all of the commandments, all the ways of life, according to Jesus Christ. He said, Jesus said, the greatest commandment, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Not just part of it, all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. And then Jesus added to it, and by the way, you should love your neighbor as yourself. And so the church, entrusted by Jesus on how to teach us that, trying to teach us how to follow him, says, you know what? There are 360 days of the year plus, right? 365, whatever. Um, to love our Lord your God with all your heart, at least the minimal, the minimal of what that would look like, is Mass one day for every seven, once a week, spending time with Him. He told us, do this in memory of me. Do this Mass in memory of me. So do it at least every Sunday, so that's what? That's 52. And then here's a handful of other days for special celebrations, Christmas, Easter, days like today. It's literally a handful, five or six days. In other words, to love the Lord your God with all your life, can you give Him 60 out of 360 days? That's the idea of a holy day of obligation. It's the minimal if we're consistent with, Lord, I actually do, and I actually am striving to love you with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. So the church kind of gives us that kind of minimal at least these days, at least this holy day of quote-unquote obligation. In other words, if, you don't, if, you, if you're like, I can't even do that, well, your love for our Lord might be a little cheap, and you might want to ask forgiveness for that shortcoming in love, because our Lord has loved us a lot. So that's the idea behind like being quote-unquote obliged to go to Mass. The church doesn't force you to do anything. The church says, look, if you're sincere in trying to love, it looks something like this. So that's the idea of, of what we do on days like today where everybody is invited to really try to go to Mass a little extra. I know it's not a Sunday, but it's still okay to go to Mass. So we, we are trying to really get into the spirit of, of what the church is celebrating. And it's celebrating our Lord always, but in particular our Lord today through what he has done for our Blessed Mother. And it's also kind of a foretaste of what he plans to do for all of us. Just to be clear, it's actually a little confusing. The Immaculate Conception, first of all, first of all the word immaculate, it means without stain, immaculate. So the word in Greek for stain is macula. So you're immaculate. Raise your hand if you're immaculate, none of us. We're very immaculated. We're very full of stains and sins, struggles in our soul the struggle to love our Lord, and we fall short a lot of times. Our understanding through readings like St. Luke's Gospel and other references is that because of the role that the Blessed Mother was going to play in our salvation, that she is saved by Jesus Christ. But before she could sin, and before original sin could touch her soul, our Lord saved her, you could say, preemptively. Knowing this crucifixion, the crucifixion that was going to come, it was applied to her ahead of time. And she was even conceived without any sin. Not even original sin. Conceived without sin. Immaculate. And a quick story, in, in Lourdes, middle of nowhere, France, right after the church kind of helped explain where this dogma came from in the 1800s, this, no, this, this kind of ignorant little CCD student, she was probably 12, 13 years old, suddenly had this image of a woman appearing to her kind of in the dump outside of town. 
And people thought she was crazy. But she was also not very smart. And she, they would ask her questions. She didn't know the sound of the cross. She didn't know the Trinity. She couldn't explain half of their, your grade level one of CCD, Sunday school. Long story short, the pastor was like, if this is real, because you're causing a lot of trouble in, this, in our small town, if this is real, ask the lady her name. Ask the lady to tell you her name. And of course, the first several visits, the lady would never do that. She would, very humble, she would just pray the rosary with, with this girl, Bernadette. And on the last visit, the last chance Bernadette saw this woman, she said, please, tell me your name. And the woman responded, I am the Immaculate Conception. Now, it's one thing for anybody to tell that story, but when Bernadette, this ignorant 12-year-old student who'd never heard the term Immaculate Conception, brought that to her pastor and to the bishop, they were like, okay, there's something really going on here. And for Our Lady to humbly ascribe that to herself, that's why we celebrate it. That's one of the reasons we celebrate it. But bear with me, who has a little toddler brother? Anybody have a little toddler brother? Anybody? They're, before they're annoying, right? Before they're, they're super cute. They are super cute. Um, I was thinking of it this way. Our Lord, when he would heal someone, Jesus, when he would heal someone, very often he'd go right up to them and he would touch them. Maybe putting his hands on their forehead or coming real close to them. And they were healed by that touch of Jesus Christ. That divine touch of the second person of the Trinity in human flesh. When he touched them, his body to their body, the miracle happened. Especially if they had faith in what he was doing and who he was. And it was even ironic that there were episodes like, the, if you know the story of the woman with the hemorrhage, she was bleeding a lot. And he didn't know it in his humanity. He wasn't aware. She touched him. And it was like Luke says, power went out from him to her because she touched him. That touching is amazing. It's even, it's, it even seems in that episode with the woman that Jesus like, didn't know. Like, he said, oh, who touched me? And, the, and Peter and John were like, Lord, the crowds. Like, what do you think? No, someone touched me. And that touch is powerful. And bear with me, but who, or rather, no one touched Jesus Christ so intimately, so affectionately, so abundantly, so smotheringly as his mother, as the Blessed Mother. Think of the way she coddled him, and I was, that's my point. Of my, we have a toddler in the office at, at, my, at the parish, little Walker, and Walker sees me, and he puts his arm, no matter who's holding him, I love Walker, he sees me, and he puts his arm out for me to hold him. It is the coolest feeling when he's like, puts his head on my shoulder and his other arm over here, and it's like, oh, this is such a great little intimate moment here, this little, little one and a half year old to me. Um, but our blessed mother did that with the Son of God all day, every day, for years. Well, for two or three years. And when, she was, when he was still like four or five years old, she would kiss him on the cheek, like, like not one little kiss, like bunches of kisses. And when he was in her womb, she was smothering him with love. No one had that intimate touch with the Son of God more than Mary. And so even if in our human logic we struggle with, well, how come, whatever, why would, why would she, before she was even born, well, within a day or two of his birth, she'd already touched him so much, she would have been cleansed and healed from anything in that constant touching with the Son of God. 
So our Lord, foreseeing that intimacy, our Lord looking ahead of time at the special graces Mary would share with the Son of God, with her Redeemer, Christ preemptively applied his salvation to her. Before the mother touched the Son with so many caresses, the Son caressed her at her conception and cleansed her ahead of time from all stain of sin. So she is cleansed, and we, she's without stain, she's immaculate. And we honor what he did for her. We also ponder that what he did for her, one day we long, this is kind of the longing of Christmas, that same redemption is coming to us in the fullness. We just have to go through this period of life, which is kind of hard. But everything that St. Paul says, notice what he says, because it applies both to the Blessed Mother and to us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing that heaven has to offer. She received it from the beginning. We will receive it fully at the end, we pray. He destined us, called us, chose us in Him, the same as He did for her. She goes ahead of us. She's a model for us. And no one was more intimate in that closeness to Jesus Christ. And I would encourage each of us in our, especially as we get closer to Advent, to Christmas rather, through Advent, our Lord's going to come as a child. Our Lord is going to come to us at Christmas, so to speak. He came as a babe. He wants, like you think, like Walker actually likes to hold me. Like Jesus likes to hold you. Jesus likes to touch you. Why do you have to receive Holy Communion? You don't have to receive Holy Communion. You're invited to prepare yourself, mind and heart, and to come as often as you want to Holy Communion. Because our Lord likes to touch you. Our Lord likes to be held by you in your heart, in your mouth, in your body, in His body and blood, touching. It's a big deal for Him. Now let's be real. At Bethlehem, you think there were people right next door who were sleeping as the Son of God was born next door? They were sleeping. They were so oblivious. It still happens. You come to Mass and people still sleep and they're still oblivious. They have no idea that the opportunity is right here for the Son of God to hold you and to be held by you. We just ask the Holy Spirit to really blow our minds, at least opening them a little bit. Do I realize what did Jesus say at the first Mass? What did Jesus say at the Last Supper? Do you realize what I have done for you? Of course, the answer of his apostles like, yeah, sure. But no, they had no idea. But it's so profound. And we ask our Blessed Mother as we honor her, Mary, help me to appreciate the intimacy that your Son wants to have, not only with you, but even with me. Blessed Mother, help me to hold him with the same affection with which you would hold him. You know, she also held him at another point in his life. Not only at his birth, she held him at his death. And all the blood that poured out of the crucifixion mingled on her face and her arms. Her love was so great. I bet she was thinking, I wish there were more here with you, my son. I wish there were more here to hold you, to console you, to be this close to you. We have that chance. We simply ask the Holy Spirit to help dispose us to stretch our minds a little bit to embrace the mystery with humility and with gratitude. 
Our Lady could say, The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is His name. From now on, she said, All generations will call me blessed. And so we do. And we also look forward to that day in heaven when the whole world will look at us for what we've achieved through Jesus' grace and mercy as we celebrate in glory in heaven, how blessed we will be. Our Lord comes to give us a foretaste of that even now. God wants to touch you and me. Let us be open to that intimacy. Let us not close our hearts. Let us not distract our minds on lesser things. But let us give ourselves fully to the next 15, 20 minutes as literally heaven touches earth. God touches you. Amen? Amen. St. Charles Borromeo, pray for us.